What if we could stop addiction before it starts? How cool would it be to collect some people up and get them in a room? And how cool would it be to have lived experience speakers share their stories from all walks of life? Within 12 months of me making the decision to leave Eastern Washington, I had been drafted by the Montreal Alouettes. As a man, it's very difficult to find positive, powerful role models that haven't been canceled yet. Seven years, we went from Strathcona Park on the outskirts of the downtown east side with 150 kids to renting out all of BC Place Stadium with a thousand kids from the inner city school catchment area, absolutely free of cost. I don't know how much y'all know about the indigenous experience. The world is a better place because <laughs> Beatrice Love is clean and sober, amen? Amen. And what is emotional pain and suffering? Mental illness. You can get involved in addictions as a coping mechanism to suppress emotional pain. Welcome to the Empower to Recover podcast. I am your co-host, Brooke. I'm here with Jay, the founder of Empower to Recover. We just got done our very first live event and holy cow, it was like beyond my expectations. Mm. Um, Jay, I, I want to hear from you. What was it like traveling all the way here to BC to put something like this together. I mean, the feedback we're getting already is just so incredible. The people that were there got so much out of it. And I feel like just being a speaker there and sharing your story and networking, connecting with the other speakers there gave so much value. So yeah, what was that like, Jay? Well, first, I, I, it's a wee thing. It's, I'm not the founder. It, it's just, it's a wee thing. And, and I never want it to be a me thing. So uh, this is a we thing. Everybody that's helping us put it together. I mean, you're a huge reason why it looks so sexy to me, why it was sexy, right? Because you did all the back end and all everything that made made it come together, um, which was an eight-year dream. I mean, like, most people have a hard time living their dreams out. Like, you, you know, people, like, that was eight years of not giving up, uh, you know, of, of consistently thinking about how I'm going to do this and when the position and pivot and timing was going to be and who's who's going to be with me to do it and there's a couple times I tried and 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 then I was just left by myself and it kind of just got put on the on the shelf and that almost happened too to us like you know like if they really want to know the backstory of it, and that's what's so amazing about events and things in life right it's just like even us like you know March of 2021 no 2022 um, you know, we, we started building this and we were going to do it in November, November 19th. And then in October, we decided not to, it was almost like, oh my God, is it all that work and all that time and all that energy and recovery days and Soberfest and all those things that we did, <clears throat> what if we could stop addiction before it starts? You know, what was, was that like the last kick at the can before, um, it got put on the shelf again? But what it really, really did was it honed the focus into what was supposed to come. Not what was supposed to be, but what was supposed to come. So what was supposed to come is exactly what happened. So once that happened in October and we retooled, and it was just really me and you, right? Me and you doing it and focusing and 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 and, and gearing it in and, and where do we want to take this and who do we want to bring on? And like once we got... Once I, once I, once I got laser focused and got out of my way, um, it was just like ping, 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 ping. Because you got to think, 
November, December, January, February, March, April, May. <clears throat> we pulled it off in like very short time. Yeah, and I remember in December having that conversation of like, is this actually going to happen or do we want to just cancel <laughs> and be like, you know, we were trying to do something. It's not working out. Let's just let it go. And um, you were just like, no, we've, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, if, if it's happening, it's happening. And we're going to do it no matter what happens. And it was so funny because as soon as that commitment was made, things started falling into place. And then like, just like February, March, people started coming back into, to the mix. Like it, it became more real, more real, more real. And then I remember in April just being like, how is this actually happening next month? <laughs> like, but yeah, just show up here in, in Vancouver, ready to go. You land your plane, you and Ashley are here, like stepping into the Anvil Center, everything's getting set up. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, you know, it, we started flying at like 3 a.m. on like, the Monday the 22nd because we came a week early you know to just kind of get ground you know because I really wanted to soak this this one in I really wanted to soak this dream in because I never really soaked a lot of dreams in I kind of let them just fly by and just went what's next what's next so I never really when you know I want to be proud I'm going to be proud this time and I'm going to I'm going to take this in and, and I'm going to bring Ashley with me, you know, and so it's so cool. And I get to bring my wife with me and, and get to do all this stuff because it's just one of those things that you just dream of. Cause most times partners don't support each other in the avenues that they're going. So it's just really cool that Ashley get the opportunity to share about our relationship and what works and what doesn't work and what we've gone through and, 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 and sharing these events together and speaking to these events together and sitting on the bird talking about how it's going to play out and, and helping her get through her stresses and her anxieties and, and, and just being there for support was, it was like a dream come true because most of the time when I had traveled and spoke before it was by myself, right. I never had that winged person. So um, it, it was really cool to kind of just play it out with her and then we land and it's like, you know, we've already been up for six hours or some silly thing. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like we gotta wait for the car, and I'm like, Ashley, we're in Vancouver. Like, we're in that. It's happening. We're in Vancouver. Even if it's just me and you that show up in the Anvil Center, Ashley, like that time I did the church thing, and we're here. It's happening either way. It's going up. It's going down. Um. And then we went to the Airbnb, and the Airbnb was so beautiful. It was just like Anna at the Airbnb. It just actually picked out. It just felt like at home, and just so close it was like 20 15 minutes to the anvil center it was just everything was so like it was just and then like when i'm on social media i realized that like we were in bc a year before that doing it and i'm like how much closer could this get we did recovery days with Giuseppe or recovery talk radio with Giuseppe a couple days before the actual real event and then i go down to the event and i, I meet diane and like just the staff at the anvil center so opening and welcoming and, and loving and caring and supportive and what do you need and how do you need it and we'll get it just like then then it just like then everybody started coming you know like thursday carl i never met carl in person before like i never met carl in person for over a year and i go pick him up at the airport on thursday and meet him in person for the first time right like scott Never met Scott in person for the first time. It was like, you know, you and TJ, I met you guys a year ago in person for the first time when we did, you know, when we did uh, TJ's event. And, you know, it was like, 
so awesome to see it just all come together and 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 then you know then the event and and we're there like literally we're there on friday we do a quick sound check me and you do a quick blah 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 does the screen work blah 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 hey dj turn the music up hey blah blah blah, blah. then we left we didn't even do like a full relay what like tedx i did it for like eight weeks they're like you got no i don't do the you know for eight weeks you got to practice with tedx for with your coach and you know we did it in whatever two hours flip flop flip flop music on music off okay look at uh, boop 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 yeah it looks good be all ready in the morning and, and we show up in the morning and like i don't know how the day could have gone any better like i really don't know like like i really don't know how the day could have gone any better like and i mean you know Shay to kick off the event was um that was really close to my heart because Shay and I did an event in Kenora here. I uh, mean him never met before. I picked him up in Winnipeg and we had planned an event for three, four, five months here in Kenora at the ski hill with uh, Green's Adventure and um it was the Wellman Men's Adventure and we got a bunch of first responders, police officers, uh doctors, all males, and we went to do a Wellman men's adventure at um the ski hill from max throwing to fire building to tubing to snowshoeing to yoga to a bunch of guys in a room talking about their sh shit and um so shay and i never met and we pulled off this event in Kenora, and he was in bc so I, I knew we could do this but for me to have shay he's a brother from another mother and i know exactly what he's been going through i, I remember seeing him at sober or at recovery days when he came to our booth when we were in bc and I knew the stuff that he was going through and I knew, you know, the stuff that was going on. So, you know, when I was like, man, I got to get Shay to kick this off, like two time Grey Cup champion CFL with the Montreal Alouettes, a strong mental health uh, advocate in, in the field. He's done stuff with Bell. Let's talk. He's been on many podcasts. Um, and to hear him just break out his story, you know, like to hear him just yell made my body just feel so amazing because that's what he wants to do. He's so, he feels like he's, you know, he does, you know, it's, it's hard. Like he said, like he said, you know, it's hard to find, you know, real people that haven't been canceled yet. And, uh, we got to see Shay be Shay. And that is such a moving thing for me. Like that whole day was moving for me. Cause I got to see a lot of people live out their dreams. Shay hadn't spoken three or four years mm -hmm. and I got to see him get back on the stage and be who he is like who he is what he does his voice his story his strength his perseverance his courage you know um and I, I'm just proud that he that he came down and 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 did what he did to help people yeah, I've, I got um, got to know Shay a little bit when we first recorded a podcast with him for Empowered to Recover and then seeing him at the event. And it, I really appreciate how much he wants to be a role model for men, like a strong, powerful role model for men. That's what he was saying. There's there's not a lot of powerful role models that don't end up canceled, you know? And something we talked about, I think it was actually with Theo, is that, or it might have been with Shay, like men have so much power in this world and they have so much opportunity and so much strength. And, and, you know, if, if we have a society of healed men, amazing things can happen here. Right. Like 
Um, and I, I love that Shay is so passionate about doing that, about bringing masculinity in a new light where it's like a healed masculinity where you can like be together and talk about your problems and get honest and yell and be loud and not be afraid of your own voice. Um, well, I he's think. doing wicked things in what was it Whistler? Yeah, Whistler. Yeah, Whistler. He's got that racket club and he does snowball throwing and he's got the tennis club up there and you know he he's doing you know that outdoors activity masculinity um, cool stuff that goes on um, with, with with men. You know, I, I was kind of like thrown back when he said Jay just doesn't really care what anybody thinks. He's just loud. He, <laughs> nobody care he doesn't care he doesn't care if somebody tells him to shut up because he doesn't shut up and he doesn't you know like he just doesn't care and for the last year i fought like i was on his instagram page follow i was going through a tough time and here's this guy just yelling no matter what and um you know no for me it's just i'm i'm comfortable in my skin and, and i believe in what i believe and and for me he really can't tell me that recovery doesn't work because it's living proof mm -hmm. in so many ways to me um from putting an eight-year dream together and putting together a whole bunch of amazing people uh, at this first event. Like the first, you only ever have one first event, right? The first event sets you up for the rest of the events that you're going to do. It's never, you know, unless you just want to stop, but I don't stop. So, um, we just had to get that first event out to show people what we were doing, right? Mm -hmm. like, we have to show people what we want to do from bringing the lived experience people together from all, like all those speakers that we had, had all different experiences, all different feet fit different shoes. They're all different recovery. They mental health, trauma, addiction. We know that trauma is the catalyst to all of those things. And, and then all the, the vendors that we had there too, right? Like they're, they, we had nine different vendor booths there sharing about what they did and what their people are doing from the, like the Tesla beds were there, like the Tesla beds and, <laughs> and just, you know, so that I, was a hit. That was such a hit. And what a neat thing to be able to offer the audience that was there that day. Yeah. Um, and... So on this episode, we are going to be hearing from Shay. He's our first speaker. He kicked off the event, like you said. Um, a big part of his talk was that scream hmm. that, you know, letting it all out. You guys are going to hear it in a second. I don't know how the audio is going to be. <laughs> But um but yeah. was pretty cool how he did that though, eh? How he was like, everybody, one, two, three, yell what you want to know. And it was yeah. yeah, it was awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. This is Shay Emery. He was our kickoff speaker at Empower to Recover. We are heading to Calgary. We have 10 cities across Canada that we are planning to hit, but Calgary is on the map. Um, we're starting to plan that. We're also in talks with getting an event out in Kenora. If there's a community that you're in right now that needs a recovery conference, something like this, um, a TEDx style conference that's bringing recovery into your community, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Empower to recover at gmail.com. Empower to, like the number two, recover at gmail.com. Send us a message and let us know where you're at and how we can support your community. Thank you so much for coming out. I just want to say a personal thank you to Jay. Thank you so much for being who you are. You know, this is really what inspires everyone to make change in their life is a big, loud energy. And, uh, and as you can see, Jay has that big, loud energy. And I think that is what is required in the mental health space specifically is positive energy. Um, 
You know, you can see in that picture. That was uh, that picture is a couple years ago. I'll just say that. Okay. Um, but uh, so again, my name's Shay. I was born and raised in Richmond, British Columbia, just down the street here. Um, I played some football, and uh, long story short, I have my own journey of mental health, and I'm a bit big advocate for specifically for men's mental health. Uh, being that I am a man, you can tell I got some biceps there. There's a couple of fit people in the room, but so anyways. Um, you know, I really just wanted to, to get into my story quickly. I got about 20 minutes here. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you engaged uh, and to provide a bit of energy, okay? So long story short, uh, again, like I said, played some football. I went to Vancouver College in, for high school, and I spent five years trying to figure out how to become an alpha male. Does anyone know how that goes? No? Yeah? Jay, you're an alpha? Okay. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> Um, so, I, w I had a privileged life. I grew up with golf clubs in my hand, snowboard boots on my feet. I had, you know, trips to Palm Springs, and I was blessed with a physical ability to win pretty much every athletic endeavor I'd ever walk my walked into. I was very fortunate. So, you'd naturally think there came a lot of confidence with that. Okay, I'm, you know... My family has a little bit of cash. We got these great experiences. I'm, you know, I have access to a boat that I rip around in the summertime. Like you can imagine, like I was pretty well set up, and you know I was, and I had very positive parents who pushed me into sports and motivated me to perform, and you know required me to show up every sports event, every football game, every track meet. They really did such an amazing job at doing that might have been because they were both coaches, right? My mom still to this day today is at the tennis BC championships. She also has kids at her school that are in the track and field championships. And she came home yesterday with like 50, 50 different um, ribbons. She had a bunch of blue ribbons, you know, the first place ones that I used to go, always go and win. And then she had a bunch of the second, third, fourth place. I just kind of Make it, made a joke, and I was like, Mom, nobody wants these, and I threw them across the, across the table, and I was like, the blue ones are the only ones that matter, right? And then I realized that, you know, for me, I came in second place a lot, so this, uh, the picture in the back there, you can't really see it, but there's a gray cup in my hand. I've won two gray cups, okay? That's a, the championship in the gray cup, yeah, yeah, fun times. And, you know, it was quite a journey to get there. You know, my journey to get to from Vancouver College, where I'd never stepped on a football field before, to hoisting a Grey Cup on TSN in front of 14 million people, really was a journey of me figuring out that I was dealing with this internalized trauma, right? This internalized suffrage that I had this childhood trauma, traumatic experience as a kid, and then I held on to that, and I didn't tell anyone about it. And I, and I was so fearful of, you know, letting my story get the, out the bag and everyone really finding out who I am uh, that I didn't want to talk to anyone or tell anyone about what I had gone through. So what that meant is I put everything I could into sports. It was my outlet, right? And at the end of the, it all, it took me to Eastern Washington University. I received a full scholarship, $100,000 of school, 
you know, food, housing. It was, the, it was a dream as a high school football player. And then I, I wanted to go home. At some point, I called my mom and dad. I was crying. I was taking pills to fall asleep. I was drinking, you know, probably three, four nights a week, trying to stay in the realm of the football, you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to be a good teammate, trying to show up to our workouts, workouts that were at 5 a.m. my entire freshman year of university. Good times, eh? You know, just like, ah, oh, all right, well, I guess I got to go to sleep. It's 9 o'clock. Um, but I realized that I needed, I needed help, and I didn't know that I was asking for it. I just called my mom, right? And I'm assuming some of you have probably had that phone call or made that phone call. I called my mom, I called my dad, and they were the ones that made the decision to pull me out. They're like, if you didn't make the decision yourself, we were going to do it for you. And, you know, I was only six hours away, but I was lost. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, whether or not I, I, I was supposed to be there. So I came home. I had to deal with the fear and the uncertainty of whether or not I was going to continue playing football because that was the only thing that I knew. I also called a friend who was at UBC at the time. Next thing I know, as soon as I made the decision, I had a scholarship to UBC. My, I had gone a roundabout way to get access to playing that year. And, um, and, you know, I just remember stepping onto the football field. I played six games at UBC. And within 12 months of me making the decision to leave Eastern Washington, I had been drafted by the Montreal Alouettes, and I was going to Montreal uh, as a first-round draft pick to a team that had just lost in the Grey Cup, and we ended up going to three Grey Cups in a row, winning two. I was voted the nastiest player in the CFL twice. I received the Jake Adar Veterans Trophy for my work in the community, and I realized that I made this decision to 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 take care of myself, and it really ended up projecting uh, or projecting me into this whole new realm of life, right? And then I got a concussion in 2011, right? I got a concussion in 2011. I've had up to 30 concussions. I'm just going to lay that out for you. I got my first concussion that I actually accepted and stepped off the football field. And uh, long story short, I didn't know what I was doing, right? At that point, I did not have football anymore. If anyone's aware of, you know, hockey and sports in Canada, this was 2011, when Rick Rippon had taken his life, mental health, Derek Bugard, Wade Belak, Junior Seau, all four of these humans were enforcers in their sport, right? They were me. They were the guy that hit people for a living. I, I played middle linebacker. Basically, my job, if you don't know football, <laughs> uh, I stood over here, and you were the quarterback, and I basically had to go find the ball and hit them with my head. That was my job. And that's what I did very, very well. And I got, through, I got to the point where I was in Montreal. Has anyone spent any time in Montreal before? It's not a good city to be depressed and concussed in, I'll be honest with you. Especially when you're 23 years old and you have a lot of cash in your pocket. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you the gruesome details, but I was in a really, really bad place. I was alone. I didn't have football. I didn't have my teammates. And again... What did I do? I didn't need to make the phone call. My parents called me. And my mom sent me a list of 11 questions that she was writing for her book that she was writing. And what I came to realize through reading through these questions is that uh, my mom 
had gone through so much personal trauma. She's had uh, 21 surgeries on her bowels and reproductive systems throughout her whole life from a birth defect she had. So full reconstructive sis, uh, surgery of her uh, reproductive systems and, you know, ended up uh, adopting my, br my sister and my brother. And then I popped out as a, you know, a miracle baby, golden child, good at sports. And, and I felt like I, at this point in time, she had outlined all this information to me. And she had showed me basically what my grandfather, my uncles, her older brothers, and my dad had gone through just to simply have her be able to produce me. And at that point, I realized that I was completely throwing all that energy and that effort into the trash. You know, I had accomplished things and gotten the scholarship and gotten the, you know, the championships and doing, done all these really cool things. But I was like, but now the real work starts, right? I was like, now I have to develop something other than my, my physical stature. And so that's when I realized I needed to do something different. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. The mother of my kids asked me, well, what do you like doing? And I said, well, I like boats. That was the only answer I had. It's like, I like boats and I like the ocean. And to be honest with you, I'm scared shitless of the ocean. Is anyone else scared shitless of the ocean? I hate, I mean, it's beautiful, but golly, like. <sighs> um, so I realized I needed to do some work. Has anyone had that moment of time where like, I just kind of feel like I need to like do something different, right? Whatever's, whatever I'm doing right now ain't working. And so I've had these, these waves, right? Where I'm like, okay, I got super successful in high school, scholarship, boom, crash, right? Because I didn't handle my shit, right? I didn't make the decision to do the right thing. Same thing, I swept everything under the rug. Again, UBC, professional football, you know, feeling all these emotions, swept it under the rug, okay? And at that point in time, I then transitioned to not sweeping things under the rug anymore. I started communicating about what, what I was going through in, per, in public. And I remember, you know, Jay mentioned that he had done a TEDx talk. I had also done a TEDx talk. That's the video that you saw in that, that hype video at the start. And I remember it was the first time in my story, in my public speaking experience, that I used the word abuse when I talked about childhood trauma. And I remember how scary I was, or how scared I was about what that meant for my story and what that meant to the people in that story. And I remember I just needed to tell it, right? And I don't know what my pit stains are like today. They all right up there? They're doing all right? Okay, okay. <laughs> they weren't very good for that TEDx talk. I think I changed my shirt four or five times on the day in the building. So I had all the backups. I was like, I gotta be ready for this, right? And, uh, and I just remember that from that, from, that was in 2015, 16, somewhere in there. From then until now, I've probably said that speech, that story 150 times and I've really empowered myself over and over and over and over to gain so much more strength because I've worked out that muscle, right? I've spent time on that, you know, thing that needs attention, right? And at the same point in time, I've also swept a lot of other stuff under the rug because I've just been really just trying to hone in and focus on myself. And so I'm gonna speak, how much time I got here, bro? Keep her going, okay. I just want, I don't wanna spend, I don't wanna take too much time. Um, but basically, along the, the pathway of me going through these big waves and ups and downs, I really was able to find the strength to communicate with my family and my friends. And that was always the, the biggest uh, 
strength of mine was being able to, to be myself, to be authentic. And I remember it was actually in this room uh, about four years ago, May, four years ago. Is May? Yes, May. Yeah? Okay. Um, four years ago, my, the mother of my kids asked me to move out because I wasn't handling my shit, right? I was trying to take care of my business, trying to take care of my kids, trying to take care of myself, trying to, like, you know, manage my ego and, and be a good dude. But I wasn't taking care of what needed to be taken care of most, which was my house, my home. And I remember at that point in time, I drove in with like a rental van for my, my, I run a mobile events company. And I had this rental van that I was sleeping in, in Whistler. And I remember, you know, you know, being that guy and being on TSN and having all these great experiences and the full scholarship and, you know, everyone looks up to me. So many people always tell me like, oh, you looked up to you as a kid, even my, even now to this day. And I'm like, wow, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, right? Uh, knowing where, I, where I've been and what I'm, what I'm currently going through at this moment. And, you know, fast forward, I've had an extremely difficult four years. All of my businesses are based around community gatherings, people coming together. So naturally, I don't really need to explain to you why that was difficult over the last four years. So I had been kicked out of my house. Two months later, I took on the biggest uh, business opportunity I've ever taken in my life. I basically took over a, a derelict tennis club in Whistler and said, I got this, we're gonna do this. Like, look, I got all the events, we're gonna do all the events. And next thing you know, two months later, we're basically out of money. I have no corporate events happening in the city. I'm not doing any public speaking. I literally have zero revenue and, and nowhere to go. And I just remember being on my back, in tears, smoking, drinking, taking whatever I could to kind of numb the pain, not working out, not doing the things, not handling my shit, right? And, and I just remember how scared I was and how alone I felt. And I had people in my life that were coming and asking me like how I was doing, coming in and checking in on me because I, you know, I talk about my mental health. So people automatically think that, you know, I'm, I'm suicidal of sorts, and, like, I've, obviously I've, I've had those thought processes throughout my life, but, like, I've had such a great upbringing, and I've, had so, I've been able to accomplish these crazy, audacious goals that I always know that I'm always going to strive for more by just being authentic to my story and trusting the fact that I'm going to go through what I'm going to go through and the waves of life are going to kick me in the ass. But, you know, the reason why I, I stand here physically fit is because I had to prepare myself to be, to protect myself. I had to prepare myself to protect, you know, my mind. And I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of going in a roundabout way here, but, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me was that when I was at Eastern Washington, I was listening to emo music and I was listening to music around, you know, that was really negative and talking about suicide. Right. And when I was in Montreal, I was listening to music that was talking about womanizing and being in the clubs and doing the drugs and the alcohol and, you know, not giving a shit about your family. I was listening to that stuff. Right. And then when I was in COVID, what was I listening to? I was listening to all, I was listening to Jay's Instagram, to be completely honest. Right. Anyone follow Jay on Instagram? If you don't, you should. Okay. So. I realized throughout this process that like, I, I really have a uh, malleable 
mind, right? And I like I followed some 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 lost leaders of sorts, and I feel like where we're at right now in society is that you know as a man it's very difficult to find positive powerful role models that haven't been canceled already right yeah i mean it's funny because you know brooke you have like a little giggle because it's so true that like even me talking about being a dude's dude and being a man and being an alpha and wanting to communicate in a specific way like when I have that conversation with some of my staff members, they like literally give me grief about just being myself. And that, you know, to, to the point of, of what I really appreciate about Jay is like the, how loud he's able to be all the time, right? And even for me, you know, being that I am big and that I've naturally had to navigate social environments very carefully just of how I felt growing up like always feeling like I needed to be in fight or flight mode I never wanted to draw too much attention to myself but I was always aware right I was always aware of like you know who's sitting over here what kind of energy is okay there's an alpha that just walked in and I gotta heat I'm a, I'm a lion right like legit straight up and at all points in time I'm pretty chill correct right I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired of being chill Right, and I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of being told to pipe down, and I know society's not really ready for it, because <laughs> because I've seen it, right? I've seen, you know, me and my buddies were in Whistler last weekend uh, for we were celebrating the passing of a friend, and there was uh, eight of us, all from high school, right? So you can imagine the the commentary is a little bit offsides. Right, it's, it's basically a group chat, but in real life, okay? And we're in this nice restaurant, and the restaurant, the, the, the lady comes over, and the server, and she starts to tell us, to, you, hey, you guys gotta keep it down. I'm like, what? And then my neighbors at, my, at the racket club in Whistler, they're like, noise complaints every single day. You know, my business partner's telling me like, hey, we don't wanna talk, and it's like everywhere I go, people are kinda trying to tell me how to navigate. And I'm like, I'm a country club kid. I grew up like basically people telling me like, you gotta wear, you can't wear denim in this room over here. That's the men's only room over there. You know, we gotta wear these sorts of slacks when you golf. Like I've, I've been able to abide by the rules, right? I say huck the rules and my, my kids say huck the rules. Every time, I, every time I tell my kids, I'm like, what do we say about the rules? They're like, huck the rules. Cause I want them to have that mindset of really like, like going towards the, going towards the rules and like, you know, you gotta manage them, you gotta bend them. But at the same time, like I want them to have that like uh, rogue attitude towards what's happening. Because for me, I have a son who's eight and a daughter who's seven. So I'm dealing with, you know, both aspects. You know, I wanna raise a, str a strong, confident man and I wanna w raise a strong, confident woman. And if I can't teach them how to do that my way, then I'm not gonna be able to do it. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing something that's inauthentic to myself. I got 30 seconds left. Okay, <laughs> I didn't even see that there. You should have told me. <laughs> this is like legit. Empower to recover. Golly. So I'm gonna fast forward here. Square this thing off. I f I truly just wanna I wanna say this one story about when I was lost and I was I was you know crying regularly and 
I remember I went for a walk on the, in the mountains on, just under like the Cypress Bowl there. And this was like me just in the tra transition of retiring out of football. And I walked up and there, it was like the same time of year, so springtime, the water's rushing off the waterfalls and I couldn't hear a thing. Does anyone know that, that, that feeling when you get in the, the shower and you kind of enter that vortex with the water over your ears and you can't hear anything? Everyone knows that one? Maybe the people without hair can probably attribute that a little bit more. Jay's in my same boat. Basically, it just went silent because it was so fucking loud. And I remember this little voice came up in my head. And this is what he said. Did I break the speakers? That was good. That was good. So, and from that point forward, I realized I'm like, I totally missed being a kid. I totally, like, I, I, I squashed playfulness for abiding by the rules, right? I squashed, you know, you know being a pianist and being a, being a craftsman and being a, you know, someone who likes to work with clay. And like, I did all these things as a young kid, but as a man, I was like, well, I can't do those anymore. I'm a football player. I gotta protect myself. I need everyone to know that I'm a dude's dude, right? Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, all of through COVID, I was crying on my back like a little bitch, right? <laughs> and like, I say that because, you know, this sort of language isn't really appropriate in society anymore. I can't talk to myself like that. Why not? I gotta tell myself to go fuck myself, basically. I have to tell this big monster that I've created, that I've let literally eat away at me my entire life, strongest, most entrenched thing in my world to fuck off every single morning when I put my shoes on. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Right? And I'm like, I feel like when I get to these moments of time where I'm like, okay, it's, it's shit or get off the pot time. That's right now. Right? I haven't done a speaking gig in five years. And I used to do it four times a month across the country, hosting events. You know, I know what the type of, the type of uh, what did you say, cojones? What did you say? <laughs> Gonads. Gonads, balls, right? Some people have them these days. And uh, that's nice, that's a little bit better. <laughs> and uh, so what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to get at is like, I know how much courage and, 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 uh, and, and perseverance and strength and, and that it takes to, to get from one point to recovery point. And I want you to also join in, join in with me here. I want you all to stand up and we're gonna do exactly what I, cause I want you to get loud. I want you to tell that monster how big or small inside of you to go, you know what, okay? So everyone, want, I want you to stand up. Yeah, we're get, he asked me for energy. So I was like, I feel kind of, I'm building towards it, okay? So, so. I'm gonna count you down. As soon as I drop my hand, I'm gonna let you scream at the top of your lungs. It's gonna mean we're bringing energy here, okay? So, but what I don't want, I don't want you to not swear. I don't want you to not say someone's name that you don't like. I want you to let it off your chest, you know? Does everyone have something to think about? Jay, what are you thinking about? Okay, that's what Jay's gonna be yelling. You figure out what you're gonna yell, okay? I know what I'm gonna yell, okay? Everyone's gonna take one deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Here we go. Three, two, one. Yeah! I think we can do better than that in the back. 
See you with your hands behind your back. I want to loosen up a little bit. Loosen up, loosen up, loosen up. Come on, come on, come on. Okay? I'm not going to say anything because I really want to hear and feel what you guys got inside of you. Okay? I want you to let it out. Okay? In through your mouth. Sorry, in through your nose. Out through your mouth. Here we go. In through your nose. Three, two, one. There you go. Awesome. So, I'm going to leave you with this. You can take a seat now. Thank you so much. So, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm like uh, 12 minutes over yet, right? <laughs> but I just want to share with you where I'm at right now. So I spent the last four years understanding that the relationship with the, the mother and my children and myself, we both had these triggers that we're hammering away at. She had experienced sexual abuse. I had experienced trauma and abuse. And our triggers were just, I was the big angry wolf and she had issues with her father, right? So she was pushing me away, and I was like, I just need to be over here and be a solid human, okay? I need to be there for my kids. My kids are happy, healthy. I've basically told them to stay with mom because I need foundation. I need strength, and I want her to be a mom, and I want me to be a dad, and I want to be a partnership that works together. That enables me to work on my business. That enables me to work on myself and to be selfish, to make sure that I'm making the decisions to be present for my friends and my community, right? To show up for my staff and my family and really to, to focus on taking that next step and, and focusing on that, that, uh, that fight that I have every single day. So I just want to say thank you to Jay, to Ashley, to Brooke, everyone that's here doing all the work in the community. I know how much work it takes. I've been in the men's health space talking, you know, to, to dudes like Jay for 10 years and, you know, there's so much energy that comes from it, but there's also a lot of energy that gets drained away from it. And, and, I, and I feel like community is everything, so keep working, and uh, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Woo!